Hello, welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. I say another week, but Tom Jacobs, we have been off for what feels like forever now. Last time I talked to you was the Open Championship, where we focused on the DP World Tour guys. However, you bagged a triple-digit winner in Brian Harmon. So, Tom, congratulations on that, and how was your break? Yeah, it was good. Um, break is it's weird, isn't it? Like, it's a break, and it's a really nice break, and then it hits you like a ton of bricks this week, especially when it's the ISPS and their Invitational, where, I mean, look, who knows? I've taken the track of Challenge Tour players because they've been playing recently, and I feel like we got into this situation with the Japanese players earlier in the season at, at the Japan event, and I'm slightly worried for that reason. But most of the guys that I've been picking have been long-term form as well. Like, I think I'm not too concerned on that respect. So... Yeah, interesting event. Um, great to hit Brian Harmon. Uh, great to hit a couple of winners recently. And obviously you won Glover, won with Glover last week, who, wow, like back-to-back in, you know, PJ Tour events for Lucas Glover seems unheard of. So nice call there. Um, and yeah, I've taken a bit of inspiration from some of your... I've enjoyed your tweets. Like you've been tweeting more since we've been off, which I like. So um, I've enjoyed your tweets and maybe there's been some inspiration as we get further down the border for that as well. Yeah, it's a little in parallel to the way you do your research and first round leader input. And, and you know, I think it one makes me be way more concise than I am on this show. Um, but but two, uh, you know, let others know if I'm not doing any content elsewhere other than this, that, you know, there's still information and back into that and makes me really get the conviction behind it. So, yeah, Lucas Glover yesterday uh, was was awesome. Um, really cool for him. We're going to have a lot to talk about the Ryder Cup coming up. Yeah. Um, which seemingly is getting more interesting on the U.S. side for the roster spots than the DP World Tour side until probably the next two events. Uh, I saw this morning, right, Aberg and Dumont de Chassar are going to be teeing it up next week. Um, so those two fighting for spots as well, it's probably going to be the co-favorites of that event more likely than not next week. So just a lot headed with the Ryder Cup. Uh, so just a, a fun stretch of golf that we have ahead of us. Yeah, the Ryder Cup is a concern right now. Um, I don't think either team can feel that great about themselves right now. Like, I feel like the stars have suddenly gone the wrong way, right? And um, all of a sudden, the, the the American team could be loaded up with, like, Harmon, Clark, and Glover, and the, the European team could have anyone on it. But, you know, like the Lowry's, the the Roses, I mean, he, hopefully he comes back to form a bit this week. But, like, there's a lot of players fit who's in dire straits, so like it's a it's a concern. But we'll we'll come on to that more um, as we go down the stretch, I guess. Yeah, yep, hundred um, percent. No, but exciting times um, as we really have you know what I think is some of the the fun stretch for. I, I say fun. You're, you're correct in saying too that it's it's more of a a research bear. It's more of a different type of. I mean, this is frankly a glorified challenge tour event with the yeah. field that we have and. I'm not mad about that. That's not a complaint, right? Oh. That's just something that is the way this event is. The next two weeks, we'll definitely um, see a rise in it. But um, yeah, with this field is probably 70% guys that are mainly on the challenge tour right now. Um, and, you know, outside of that, I mean, there's Bob McIntyre, who really is likely the only Ryder Cup hopeful here, Victor Perez up Perez. there. Um, yes. uh, but I, I guess there's one, there's one guy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be betting this week that I, I'd like to discuss from the top of the leaderboard or odds board. How, how is Laurie Cantor playing this week? Do we have? So, I, I read that? about this yesterday. So it's basically because he's paid his fines up and because he's actually not 
a member of Live, he's a reserve, he's okay. So he's okay. the only, he's literally the only one because he paid all his fines up last year. He hasn't been fined this year for playing on a Live event when he could have played a DP World Tour event. I think he's got away with the fact that when he's played on Live, it's not been opposite a DP World Tour event. I don't, okay. know if that's, I don't know if that's been the case every single time, but I don't know why they would make an exception for Laurie Cantor over some other people. So that, so that, because that's what confused me. Because I saw Laurie Cantor's name yesterday, and I was like, "Oh my god, is this the start of like something new? Like, are they coming back?" And no, it's just it is just Laurie Cantor. Yeah, because we had like the Otagways and the Duplessis and a couple of those guys get like spot starts. But, yeah, like, Cantor has felt like felt like a whole full time. You know. Sam Horsfield hasn't played on the DP World Tour side. Well, so so well, it sounds like Horsfield is back next week on Live, which means okay. the cancer will be back on the DP World Tour. Okay. Which which is weird because he literally tweeted out saying he's playing here not out of choice. <laughs> so, so he's not he's not a DP World Tour like fan or anything like that. He literally wants to be on Live, which is weird. Interesting. I didn't even see this. Tweet. Yeah, I yeah. Find it. Have, have a little uh, look. Sweet. That's how I read it. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'm misreading it. But you should have told me. Not interesting. Well, I'll keep digging too, because um, I, I think I guess the one thing that when you have a month off like this, we talk glorified challenge. I thought there was a ton of momentum for for guys that played well at the Barbasol, at the Barracuda, at the Open Championship. Uh, you know, there was a lot of, I think recognizable or good showings from the DP world tour guys. I mean, heck, um, playoff in the first event, um, blank and Nathan Kimsey comes back from the injury and, and almost, you know, snags some PJ tour events, um, on his end. So I thought there was a ton of momentum. The break is hard when it comes that way. And I think it ends up why our betting card is leaning truthfully in, in the direction it has. Um, yeah. but, but it's just, it's an interesting week. I think this week overall. So I either dreamt that tweet, because I just checked it while you were talking there. I either dreamt that tweet happened, or he's deleted it. I would assume he's deleted it. Like, I don't know why I would dream that. I don't follow Laurie Cantor's tweets very like, religiously. So I feel like he has tweeted that and deleted it. But I could be wrong. So, Laurie, if you didn't tweet this, I'm sorry. If you did, put it back out there and stick to it. Like, don't put me in these positions. Um Unconfirmed reports that Laurie Canton's not happy about being in the field. But ultimately, Sky, like, showed up really well at the Open Championship, um, Cancer, and that is a good sign in a glorified challenge tournament. Yes, 100%. Okay, let's, let's, let's get on over. So, again, ISPS Honda, World Invitational, previously was sponsored by Modest Golf, Niall Horan. It's uh, Aviv Clinics. Let's try to get some, some clarity there on which one is his title <laughs> sponsor. But, again... Bob McIntyre, clear favorite in the odds. Romain Langoska, 20 to 1. Uh, Ewan Ferguson is just below the 20s. Uh, Victor Perez is up there as well in the teens before we drop deeper into the 20s for the Cantors or Tagways. Tight. I know there is a golfer um, at the top of your list um, that, that's in this range. Who are we taking? Yeah, I'm going to, I am going to stick with Ewan Ferguson. I'm going to bet him. Like I was going to and fro about it because it is 18 to one about you and Ferguson but the key point at the start of the show was this is a glorified challenge tour event and he was a really strong challenge tour player and has now developed into a really strong DP World Tour player and he finished fourth at the British Masters he was 12th at the Scottish Open which comes with a lot of pressure being Scottish right I mean that's pretty lazy analysis and then he missed the cut of the Open but he's played recently enough in that stretch to suggest to me that he's in good enough form 
he won this event last year, which is always great to see. He was a wire to wire winner, so it's not like he, you know, just come out of the blue either. Um, he was 14th at the Irish Open in 2020 at Calgorm. Um, one thing that is important to note is it isn't the same two courses that it normally is, right? Like that is one thing to to consider when you look at people that have played well here in the last two or three years. Like they do play two courses and. You know, Galgorm is staying the same, but the other one, I can't even remember the name of the other one, but like it, it's a new golf course. Castle, you know? Castle Rock. Castle Rock yeah. over the, the one. Nasserine is the one it. they replaced it. Yeah. Yep. So, and, this, and I guess staying there yeah. is the dual field event. So we have yes. the ladies teeing up, full field men teeing up. We'll be cut to a standard cut on Saturday again. So that means 70 70. And then on Sunday, it's cut 35 35. Um, yeah. for just a 70 left on Sunday, men and women. Keep going, yeah, though. Absolutely. And look, the, the new course that's come in, the Castle Rock, is a more of a Lynx test than what than you know what you'll see at Galgob and what you saw at Massarine. So I, I think you've got to factor that in. I think Ewan Ferguson can play anywhere, and I think in this level of field he can, 18 to 1. So I'm going to stick with Ferguson. Yeah. I mean, thinking about it, Ferguson was probably the hottest bet or one of them at the Open Championship, a great Scottish Open. Um, so so fully believe in that. Like I mentioned off the top, um, Cantor is the one for me. And it's seemingly just because I think Cantor's had a sneaky, really strong, I guess, live showing. That Open Championship, though, his tee to green numbers were exceptional. Um, you know, I guess he hasn't really busted through uh, on live with like a top you know, even a top 10 finish, which maybe I'm stretching it um, with the truth, but he had some really good ball striking numbers leading into the open championship. He would be inside top 10s leading into that final round. Um, and to your point, he wasn't somebody for a little bit of stretch of time that was a full-time live player. So, you know, week to week probably had some question marks on where he was playing, but if you look in, I think it's four or no, I think it's six in his last 60 world tour events. One of them was a, a solo third place. He had another that was uh, 23rd. And I mean, if we think back to Cantor overall, right, what stood out to Cantor to me, I mean, his stretch in 2022 was was pretty decent. But really in 2021, where Wentworth, uh, Andalusia Masters, you know, those were second and fourth with impeccable ball striking. At the peak of his game, he's a really, really good driver. We've seen winners of, of John Catlin here, Aaron Rye um, on the Challenge Tour, right? Yeah, I think on the Challenge Tour here. Um, so it might not scream that type of game, but you've seen Richard Mantle have a ton of success here. You've seen bigger hitters like Jordan Smith be around. Like to me, I don't know, like Cantor, if he was still a full DP World Tour player, I don't I think he's as good as anybody in this field. Um, which is hard. You know, so twenty fives isn't isn't getting a ton of a discount. I would like a little bit more, but man, he's been on my radar for a good bit of time, especially what he did at the Open Championship. The fact is that no, he's not playing like he's not winning live events, right? But he's on a team of players that are not playing very well, and he seems to be the steady influence, which doesn't make sense when he's the reserve player, right? He was exceptional at the Open Championship. I do trust him in Lynx Golf, which will be important for one of the rounds. I th I think ultimately he is still one of the better players in this field. We can't really quantify that because of of how long it's been since he's been here, but he's. He's got two 14th place finishes at Galgorm, right? Like it was, yeah, he was yeah. in the challenge joy, he was 14th, he was second at the halfway stage, and then in the 2020 Irish Open as well. So I, I think that ultimately he is 
good. And I think it was between him and Ferguson at the top for me. Is, and I'm glad that we've covered both of them. The the motivation angle is still so odd to me too, right? Like, part of me would feel like, I guess if you tweet, if you saw this tweet, if this tweet exists, this, this is what I mean. Like, that would cancel your point. But, but he doesn't but, have to be there. Like, there's no way he has to show up to this event. I mean, you ultimately have a choice. I, I, I read some. I'm, <laughs> and I don't know if I've read this. Like, I'm getting because I'm. It was so deep as well. Like. He basically said, like, it was all still world ranking points. He had to come back and play it. Uh, it must have been like an interview or something. Like, I, I must have seen it somewhere. I'll find it. And if I find it, I'll tweet it out on top of the video. Okay. But, like, I, I, I feel like he said. I mean, said, there's a motivation angle, I guess. Yeah, he's either up, way. You like, have to play well. Yeah. Like, either way, he needs, he doesn't, whether he said it or not, he needs the world ranking points to stay in the mix. If he's going to get bumped out of live, which is quite possible because of Sam Horsell coming back then he needs somewhere to play. And that somewhere to play is the DP World Tour because he's not good enough to PJ Tour yet. So there is obviously motivation, regardless of what he said or what I've dreamt of that he said. Yeah. Yep. Okay. This is the first time I've ever been so uncertain about something I thought I read. That's too funny. Um, I guess we go down, if we keep running down the leaderboard um, overall. I, I'm in the 40s for multiple selections. One that we agree on. Is there anybody prior on your betting card to, to him? No, no, that's the one we agree on. Okay, I'll go first then. Um, so we think back again, that stretch of golf where, where who I felt like if they didn't have the month off would have been bang on when it comes to form. And, and Marcus Kinholt was super impressive at the Barbasol in Barracuda. Really, really good. Um, off tee approach and really i mean if he putted to what we've seen him i mean he easily could have been inside the top 10 of the barbasol with with i mean we saw him up there a little bit on sunday uh barracuda he was there i think actually when you look at his finish uh the 20th place finish that he had it kind of does him a little disservice because um if you looked at just a pure stroke play he would have been uh, a decent bit up the leaderboard more than that shows. So for him to have those type of events, he's made 10 cuts in a row. You don't get that type of consistency overall. Um, you bring in the links angle, right? A former, former British masters winner. Um, just a lot of angles that we've liked with Ken Holt. Uh, for me, forties is, is lower than what we've seen him. But again, this type of field, he definitely deserves to be priced there. So if I'm looking at who I thought was the best guy during those couple of events, Marcus Kinholt was the, the standout to me. Yeah, look, I, I think Kinholt is quite often on the short side of the market, and that's because he's normally this price in all of the DV World Tour events. Like, I don't, his price doesn't seem to have moved, despite the fact that we think this is potentially a glorified Challenge Tour event. So, in that respect, I think he's a good bet uh, value-wise. I'm not a long-term believer in Kinholt. I've been there before, and it hasn't quite paid off. But for the stretch of form that he's on. In this field, it makes perfect sense. So, if I was to wake up, I guess, not wake up, uh, this guy, the next guy in our betting card here, I mean, he's been out penciled in my betting card for what, six weeks? Like, this this spot right here, unfortunately, if he didn't have their stretch of golf that he had in the previous six weeks, there might have been an extra zero on the odds. Um, <laughs> but, uh, tell the crew why we are on Brandon Robinson Thompson at what is now 45s in the States. still I think fifties uh, overseas, but my favorite bet of the week. Yeah. So he's played five events 
um, over the last, was it, six, seven weeks. Um, the first being at Maiden Himalayan. He was 13th going into the weekend. He finished 49th. A little bit disappointing that he tailed off, but so be it. It's not, you know, he's not a regular on a DP World Tour, right? Plays in the British Open, finishes 59th, makes a cut, which a lot of people so didn't do. You have, he had to open qualify for the British Open, right? So he finished either yep. first or second, I think, in his open qualifier. Yep. So he's, so he's open qualified for that. Finishes 59th in the Open. I don't know how you look at that like as a golfer. Like, is 59th good? Is you know, is he just happy to make the cut? I think he is because a week later, he goes and wins the Irish Challenge. He backs that up with a 30th place finish at the British Challenge, but he was actually sixth going into the final round. And then last week, it looked like, oh, maybe the forms come to an end, and he shoots a final round 64 to finish third. So he's just sustained this period of form now. And look, the obvious thing, this is where I talked about at the start of the show of like, how we fell in the trap a little bit, I think, with Japanese players in Japan whilst the DP World Tour was off. This could happen again. Like, are we just back in the hot challenge tour player whilst the DP World Tour players have been off for a decent period of time? Yes and no, because I think, you know, he impressed in the DP World Tour and then made the Himalayan event and he's made the cut in the Open Championship. I don't think those two things can be overlooked. So he's top 10 in adjusted form in this field over the last whatever it's 15 weeks and they've all come in the last six starts so uh, or five starts so I think Brandon Robinson Thompson okay he's getting a little bit short on on the odds board now 14 45 to one but um, I'm still going to back him like I, th- I think he's got a very chance to to really land himself on this stage well and what was even more impressive in, in catching the eye you know our good friend Brad Todd who's done with you um, I lost for words you know Brad had been betting this this golfer at that open qualifier which made me Think about going to the research. Brad always is getting a clutch pro tour markets, you know, overseas. Those exist. Robinson Thompson has won three events so far in the clutch pro tour. One of those being at Galgorm in which he got into this event this week. That's how he got the spot was winning that clutch pro tour event. So you have that leading into the open qualifier, leading into the stretch of golf. He's 30 years old. Um, he's had, you know, not as jump-started career as maybe his amateur uh stats would be telling to it's taken him some while but man i think the the sky is the limit he could do he's i I think he belongs where he's priced and i would back him at a lower number because this form is is incredible and i'm very very excited for him so you always wonder why it took these people so long like did that that open championship 59th he's only played two dp world tournaments before that and one of them was at Himalayan like two weeks before. So it's not like we've seen him for 10 years be a really average DP World Tour player. He's just never got there. So why is that? Was he a late bloomer and it took him until 26, 27, then COVID happened and that knocked him back two or three years? That's a potential opportunity. Like Brad will know a little bit more on that in terms of like his kind of trajectory on the on the mini tours and the crush tour, like you said. But look, if this is a player that this is his form, and this is what he is from now on, then you're looking at 25 to one goal for in the next few weeks. So I think you, you take a look at 45 to one and 50 to one and, and hope that this kind of form carries on, especially in, like, this is not like we're trying to take him at Wentworth at 45 to one. We're taking him at the ISPS hander. So. Yeah, I, I would stop though. Cause I, I might be betting at 45 to one at Wentworth, you know, <laughs> if he wins again here. Yeah. yeah but then, the, but then he's proving it right. But um, yeah, yeah, like that that's the difference. And I think that's the key difference is that he's forty five to one in an event that I don't think is too dissimilar to the events where he's finished 
first and third in his last four starts. 100%. Um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Austin Batista-esque. If you remember, we were betting uh, Batista, who kind of had the run on the mini tours after he took, he took a break from golf. Um, I don't yeah. really know Robinson Thompson's story as much, but he was kind of lighting up the Euro Pro Tour last year, the Meta Tour earlier this year. But yeah, I mean, there was basically from 2016, his last amateur event, to 2021, two professional events played, uh, or, or OWGR events played. So uh, kind of has that profile in it. Uh, but definitely um, excited for him. And, and, you know, the number makes a lot of sense, but conviction, I think, is there for me overall. Um, as we keep going through, I think you can go next. Yeah, you can go next with your golfer um, who I believe now is second or, or number one in the Challenge Tour ranks. Um, a, a 100% has a DP World Tour card next year and may already have the narrative around being one of the most volatile golfers that's going to be on tour yeah and casey jarvis is volatile and that is what you've got to subscribe to this week right and he's 60 to 1 but i think it's that volatility and we see this i don't know necessarily he's going to go and have the career that pablo larafabel's had but we see this type of player they always stay in these kind of odds because they have the ability to win but they also have the ability to finish dead last right um but and then in his current form suggests that second second miscut 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 13th First, miscut, miscut, 30 seconds. So he won that Euron Bank uh, Open, which the Open was 65 to be third after round one and then just cruised in to, uh, to win that. And then last week, he opened with 65 to lead after round one at the Scottish Challenge, shot uh, 72 on day two to fall into 11th. Come back with a 69, has been in the top 10 and then just had a bad final day. So it's very up and down for Casey Jarvis and it's hard to really kind of get a grasp of when he's definitely going to play well, but I'm pretty confident that Casey Jarvis has shown enough in his career that he can play well, firstly on links. Um, he's shown that kind of in South Africa and things like that in the past. He's played well in Challenge Tour events that I like, and ultimately I just believe in the upside of Casey Jarvis. So 60 to 1 in the Challenge Tour field, which is you know some of the, somewhere that he's proved he can win in. Um, I'm happy to go with that. Yeah, I mean, 20 years old is number one there. He's done nothing but deliver top finishes and and misguided basically is the way um, you can look at what what Jarvis has been and um, that's why you get a little bit of a discount I, I, in the I number. Think, I think he's actually overlooked. Like he won the Euroman Open, he's finished second at the Copenhagen Challenge and the SDC Open this year. He's also finished second at the Czech Challenge this year. So he's got what like a win and three seconds, four seconds if you include the Tour Championship on in South Africa, second in the PGA Championship on the South African Tour as well. Like his thing is just littered with first and seconds so far this year. Like he won on the Big Easy Tour, which I don't know what you can equate that to, but like in 2022 and 2023, he's been pretty dominant wherever he's played, and then he's got top tens in the Joburg Open. He's played well in the South African Open on the DP World Tour. Like he's He's been in around proper players, and I think he's playing at the right level this week to suggest that 60 to 1 is a good enough bet. Yeah. Oh, totally agree. Uh, I'm pretty intrigued in, in tracking him. I'm not on, but um, definitely understand. Uh, for, for me, the golfer in this range that had a similar spike, um, I guess more of a one week spike uh, over <laughs> in, in America, would have been David Rivetto. Um, David Rivetto was really, really good at the Barbasol after coming off uh, the Maiden Hammerland, where he finished 24th. 
Admiral Rivetto was medalist at Q School this year to earn his card after having, or I guess he wasn't a uh, medalist, Forstrom was, but he was uh, right up there when it came to best Q School performances, uh, had a decent couple of years on the Challenge Tour, uh, has, has won uh, an English men's open amateur um, back in, I think it was 2020 as he was turning professional. Um, so I just think there's been spikes of his game this year to top 10 on the PGA tour event. I really don't think can be, be taken lightly. If Nathan Kimsey was in this field, he probably would be priced in the twenties, maybe thirties, yeah. right? Yeah. Because of what he did. And you know, the question marks coming back from injury, but man, um, I think Rivetto, just like Ken Holt had a really good stretch of golf. Um, and hopefully a month off doesn't just lose that. Um, I know betting on short-term firm form potentially when it rolls into uh, a few week break might be a bit of a stretch, but uh, to me at the number, I think him, Daniel Brown had a similar type of performance too, a good leading event, a good event over there, but Rivetto's was led by ball striking. The irons will be really important this week. Uh, if you can find a putter to pair with that. So Rivetto is seventies over here right now. Um, so he is, uh, my last one in the single, I guess, double digits. Yeah. Um, I agree with all of that. Um, not too much to say negatively or positively, really. Like I do understand the bet like you were Jarvis with me. Um, feel good story. You love Guido Migliozzi, right? You wanted him to be on the Italian Ryder Cup team. I would love Matteo Manassero to be on the, the Ryder Cup team in Italy. It's not going to happen. Um, he's probably not going to have done enough by them, but this is a guy that's won Wentworth. It's a guy that's finished third at the Scottish Open. He's finished, I think, top 10, top 12 in the Open Championship. Um, a couple of times he's been inside the top 20 in that. So we know he can play links. We know he can play the best Parkland golf courses. He's a two-time winner on the Challenge Tour this season, uh, the Italian Challenge and the Copenhagen Challenge, which you mentioned where um, Jarvis came second. So I, I just love what he's been doing. Yes, he's tailed off in the last couple of weeks, 38 for Miss Cup, but I just... It's all confidence with Matteo Manasarius. He's a former top 25 player in the world, um, you know, at his peak. And I think now he's confident. Now he's come back. This is his chance to really grasp a European tour, you know, level win again, um, which is something he was, you know, more than capable of achieving. So I think there's a motivation factor for Matteo Manasarius to, to do well this week. It'll be fun to have him back on the BP World Tour. Next, yeah, I can't wait. Year. Get some statistics. He, get some, like, true numbers he, on it. He's my too. favorite player. Like, it, like it's not close. Like it used to be Lee Westwood. Um, you know, that is what it is. But like the term Manasero is is the one. Like I remember vividly having a really good bet on him at Wentworth and seeing him winning that playoff. So um yeah, love Mateo Manasero. Yeah, no, excited for him. I'm excited for this challenge tour crew as a whole, um, <laughs> actually. And it, it's you know, a lot of golfers who have shown some promise and popped up at two events and, and done well. So um can see the argument there. Um last week's winner Bearstow, Sam, um, he is starting. I, I was very close. I think potentially backing him off of his first ever uh, career or professional win uh, might have been a bit much. I think this is first. He won in 21, but I believe that was an amateur. Yeah, he won the, the open yeah, amateur year after Rivetto. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was very intrigued because he's popped at both the Irish and the Scottish. So if you're looking at you know those type of things and these triple digits versus the other guys. Um, which I thought was intriguing, but ultimately we aligned on a golfer uh, in the, I guess, 125 to one over here. And somebody I was uh, also dead set on backing once I saw that he was on the professional tournament invitation list. Um, and that's Jordan Gumberg. Jordan Gumberg, 125 to one. 
like you mentioned, Tom, I've been tweeting out kind of my selections. He was my solo bet on the challenge tour um, at the British challenge. Um, he had Monday qualified into the Irish challenge where he finished second the week prior. Um, and then the British challenge 46, I don't think does justice to the way he played. He was so full of birdies and bogeys and big numbers on the card, but man, he did a lot that week, follows it up with a third at Scottish challenge last week, all over the leaderboard. I believe it was the 36 hole leader um, last week, but he had qualified in the open qualifier for uh, the U S open. He rips up when he comes back over here, the minor league golf tour in Southeast Florida um, has had a lot of success in that, um, but hasn't ever really stuck on the status in his whole career, right? He is 28 years old, has showed a lot of promise this year. Um, and I think getting him with an opportunity here uh, is huge to be able to to get him on a DP World Tour and continue playing. I think 125 to 1 for me was definitely pushing it. Yeah, it's the same period of form. Like, but going back about 10 weeks, he was 11th on the Challenge Tour, 33rd the following week. Had a couple of missed cuts, but they were, to your point, one of them was at the Porsche European Open, which can happen anywhere, and one was the US Open. Uh, finishes 44th at the Euro and Bank Open, but he was actually third after round one, eighth after round two, still 20th going into the final round. Um, I believe he Monday qualified for that too. I think he Monday qualified twice. Yeah, because there was a big gap between those two starts. And then, to your point, you just said uh, about Bearstow. Second at the Irish Challenge and third at the Scottish Challenge is only a really good time when you're coming to, to Ireland, right? So um, for me, I just love what Gunberg's done. Look, I'm not going to lie, like your tweets definitely put me on him in the first place. And the fact that I've looked into it since and, and really liked his form, I'm, I'm happy with Jordan Gunberg. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a steal at 125 uh, for somebody that hasn't had that stretch of golf to, to know his form. Um, so um, he is your last long shot for me. I have one more. We won't really go fully down the board. Um, it's again, it's, it's, it's easy for me to do. Um, but I think, you know, in this type of event, uh, Bearso was one that stuck out to me, but other than that, um, there wasn't a huge amount of golfers at least that didn't pull in some type of recent form for me. Uh, RB made a good argument to me about Dermot McElroy, who won the Clutch Pro Tour event here in 2022 to um, get here. So local guy who's come in, you know, some decent form, made three of his last four cuts, one being a top 20. But that event also did play at both of the courses. Castle Rock was a part of that, too. So you might have a little bit of form at that course when others don't. But the one that I really wanted to go in on was Christopher Wright. And Christopher Wright, um, three events, 71st, 5th, 17th. So if you go back to the 71st, I mean, Wright was on the on the, the European tour two years ago. Again, some of these golfers feel like they're way older than me or way younger than I would imagine. He's only 25 years old because um, he was a full-time DP World Tour player pretty much in 2020 and 2021, uh, where I kind of remember him as a really big hitter. Uh, I guess even 19, he was playing full-time. So, I mean, 2019, I think he must have gotten into Q school because that would have been when he was 20 years old, um, full of distance, had a really, I guess I don't say really good, but a pretty decent amateur career, um, popped overall, won the boys amateur in 2016. Um, so, you know, he had a lot of prowess in his game and then basically just found nothing after losing his status on the European tour. Uh, Challenge tour this year had not been friendly to him until the last three weeks. And again, we said that 71st, but was that 71st, he was inside the top 10 
after the first round inside the top 20 at the halfway point. He didn't shoot. And the reason why he's 500 to one is that day on Sunday when he came into, I guess he was 24, he shot an 87. So he's got that in his bag. So, uh, you know, don't be surprised if we wake up in the morning. But what did he do the next week? 67, 68, 68, 54-hole leader, 73 on Sunday. You know, first time he's been in contention in forever. And then last week at the British Challenge, he was eighth after 36, finished 17th overall. Uh, you know, pairs of 65 and 71 around some bigger numbers. So I think just the upside is flashing for me at 500 to 1. You know, that really is enough in, in my end, as somebody that we're somewhat familiar with. Um, I don't know for this type of course if it is the best fit um, in, in that manner, uh, being where he can take advantage with his driver like he has at others. But man, that snip of form for 500 to 1 isn't really available anywhere else right now. No, he owes me a podcast if he wins, uh, because we, we were talking about podcasts a couple of years ago. Um, so looking forward to that when he does win uh, 500 to 1, especially Sky. We'll get you in on that uh, to celebrate. Um, the one for me, if, if I was going to go past the people, uh, past Gumberg, who was my last pick, it would be Jonathan Caldwell. Um, no, 17th and 3rd is last three starts. 100%. He was very close. He, yeah. like, he had like both Sundays or Sunday, Saturday, had like two triple bogeys back to back and still yeah. had enough birdies to hold his own. Yeah. It, it strikes me that he he should play well. Um, I just felt like the price has come in because there are people that are on him. I think RB's on him. Um, like, he, but he's got he's got form here, ninth, twelfth, and thirteenth. So um, I do think Caldwell can play well, and he's been someone's been playing regularly and dropping down. So um, pretty sure Brad is is interested in Caldwell as well. So um, there's always two good signs there. Yep. Um, I guess I'll throw a couple more names. We didn't mention him in the lower numbers. Alex Fitzpatrick got his win. He's going to have a DP World Tour card next year. Awesome to see him come through like that. Uh, old friend Jax Krewitz won last week on the, uh, it must have been the Sunshine Tour. Yeah. So he is teeing it up actually this week. So fun to see. Um, 11, two years ago, by the way, Jax Krewitz. Um, Ross McGowan, first start in what feels like forever. And our friend um, SGT the Green, Matt, who always tweets about his old caddy days, was back on the bag uh, for McGowan uh, for that second place uh, a few weeks ago. So cool for McGowan to, to pop out of nowhere for that finish. Um, that's really, I'm just trying to see who has like those top finishes. I thought Hedeto Tanahara was going to be in the field this week. He did pull out. Pat would have been so excited. I think that is Pat's <laughs> favorite golfer actually in the world. Um, David Law teed up last week in the challenge tour. Um, you know, the good finish, but man, I, I, I thought so, we so where we so landed. Just one person. Do you know who sneakily made five cuts in a row? Lucas Pierica. Oh. I didn't even think through him. So yeah, yeah. He, he made he's made five cuts in a row. Um, one of them, he was like thirty six hole leader or something. Yeah, like he was he was live for definitely one of them. Um, yeah. Look, when you get into the the heat of the battle, when you're playing like he was, it doesn't last very long. But you know, yeah, he was third at the halfway mark at the British Challenge and finished forty second. That was that was the one. But like, yeah, five five cuts in a row now. Six of his last seven, seven of his last eight. So. There may be just signs that Lucas Bjerregaard is coming back and he can be someone that can rip up a links course if if he finds some form. So yep. like he's very volatile and, and it's scary, but Bjerregaard's interesting. Yep, 100%. Um, all right, so before we run back our cards, make sure you give a shout-out to all the audio listeners. Again, we, we love to be back. 
appreciate the support you guys have uh, for myself and Tom. You can find us um, at Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets at the Mix. Um, that's available on all different podcast platforms. And then on YouTube, um, you can find us at Mayo Media Network. Great reviews, subscribe, like, we'll comment back. It's, it's a lot of fun um, getting involved and, and seeing the community rally back as we have, again, a big stretch, a, a Ryder Cup determining stretch. Um, I guess one question, will Justin Thomas play next week or the other uh, prior to the Ryder Cup? Um, I mean, he needs to, I think. Yeah. Um, so he should. But if he doesn't, that means he's on the Ryder Cup team. I'm rooting for him to, I think, be on the Ryder Cup team because yeah. I think it's better for for, for yeah, Europe with his, uh, yeah. with his stretch. Uh, but yeah, we're going to have to save our Ryder Cup discussion. We can talk a little bit more Czech Masters next week as we yeah. have um, uh, the, the young studs playing. But but Tom, yes, can you review your betting card for me one more time? Yeah, so you and Ferguson me 18 to 1, Robinson Thompson at 45 to 1, Casey Jarvis at 60 to 1, Mateo Manasera 80 to 1, and Jordan Gumberg at 125, with Jonathan Caldwell and uh, Lucas Pierregard to look at for long shots, DraftKings, things like that. Yep, I will be on Laurie Cantor 25 to 1, Marcus Kinholt 40 to 1, Brandon Robinson Thompson with you 45s, David Rivetto 70, Jordan Gumberg as well with you 125 to 1, and Christopher Wrighton 500 to 1. We'll get that out to the top 20 as well for Wrighton. Um, but Tom, it's good to see you again, my friend. Where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, yes, Tom Jacobs 93, not changed. Um, I realized that Tom Jacobs Golf, I always have a go at someone for having Tom Jacobs Golf. It's me. It's me from like 10 years ago, um, and I can't get into it. So yeah, I, I've, I've, mo- I've chastised this goal, guy for ages, and I realised his location was Kent, England, and that that's definitely me. So oh. uh, I, I preempted this ten years ago, but um, cannot cannot get it back. So yeah, Tom Jacobs ninety three. That's amazing. I love hearing that. <laughs> well, uh, you can find me at Skyhook DFS. That is me. Um, so I haven't taken it for myself yet. So. Um, but no, thank you guys. Uh, good luck this week. And again, we have a fun stretch ahead of us on the DP World Tour. So please follow along. Uh, we appreciate your support. Good luck. Thanks, guys.